Good morning, Woodville. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. And a huge shout out welcome to all of our guests across the nation of Canada and globally around the world that have joined us today. Well, we're beginning today our June sermon series. We're calling it Unfamiliar. And we're gonna take four Sundays to explore some unfamiliar topics, moving from the familiar to the unfamiliar, moving from the known to the unknown. Today, I wanna to talk to you about a very challenging, difficult, and even misunderstood topic. Today, I want to share with you about racism. Every single one of us are so aware of what happened in Minneapolis approximately two weeks ago, the horrific, needless murder and death of George Floyd. My heart breaks, and I want to express to our entire black brothers and sisters, I am so sorry for what has happened. And I am so sorry for how this has affected you. I know that this has created another wound of racism. And so today, church, we must deal with the elephant in the room. We must talk about this difficult topic. I think we need to understand that our framework, our understanding of racism has been framed and the perspective we get is based on our upbringing and based on our experiences and based on where we've lived. I must confess to you, it's very difficult for me in my white skin to understand racism of what my black brothers and sisters, my brown brothers and sisters are going through. And so today we wanna to talk about racism and I wanna take you through the lens of the Bible. And I wanna start with a scripture in the book of Isaiah chapter one in verse 17, where it says, learn to do right. It says, seek justice. It says, defend the oppressed. I pray that during this message today and in the days ahead that we would learn to do right and we would seek justice and we would defend the oppressed. Well, today I wanna to share with you three things. And the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is number one, the premise. And I wanna give you eight foundational statements that I think are going to frame and shape what I believe God wants me to share today. The first thing I wanna share with you is we want to be a place of grace for discussions about race. I want to invite you and I to posture ourselves and clothe ourselves with grace as we have these discussions. I don't want this sermon to be a one-off. I want this to be a beginning of further discussions and further conversations. It's been a long, long time since we talked about racism. And I want you to know I'm not an expert in this subject. I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to better understand. You need to understand that today I probably won't say everything perfectly. I need some grace from you. And there's probably some things you wished I said or maybe some things you wished I didn't say. I invite you, let us flow and function in the place and the space of grace. The second thing I wanna share with you, number two, is we must be like the men of Issachar. And the men of Issachar understood their times and they engaged their culture. They understood what was happening in their day and they didn't do the ostrich thing and bury their head in the sand. No, they understood the climate of the culture, but they discerned and they knew what to do. I want you and I to be a people that engage our culture, not enrage our culture. So may we understand the time and engage our culture. The third thing, I wanna give you a definition of racism. 
Racism is an explicit or an implicit. It's overt or it's subtle. It's a belief or it's a practice or it's an attitude that qualitatively distinguishes or values one race over another. It's when one race, one skin color says, I'm more important than another skin color. I'm, I'm more valued than someone else, where you view yourself as being supreme and more important. That's what racism is. It's a belief. It's an attitude. It's a practice where you view yourself based on the color of your skin being more important or valued than someone else. Number four, I want to share with you that God values you and me, regardless of our color, our culture, our class, our gender, or our age. God doesn't look down from heaven and say, I I value you more because of your color of skin. God doesn't look down and say, I value you more because you've got more education than that person. God doesn't say, I value you more because you've got more money than that person, or I value you more because of your age or your gender. God doesn't do that, and nor should we. You see, friends, we've heard a lot lately about the expression, Black Lives Matter. And sometimes in our white skin, we want to react and say, but, but everybody matters. I believe I need to clarify for you that I don't think our black brothers and sisters are suggesting that everybody doesn't matter and only black lives matter. I think what we're hearing is that for too long, they have felt the wounds and the effects of racism. For too long, they felt the wounds and the effects of a society that has suppressed them, that they just want to be valued the same as others. So we say today, black lives do matter. I want to share with you, number five, that there is only, there is only one race, and that is the human race. It really is. However, there are many nationalities. There's many, many cultures and many ethnic backgrounds. You see, every single one of us can trace ourselves back to Adam, and we understand that God created us all in the same image. But God has given a great creativity, and I thank God for our many, many efforts. I celebrate that you and I are in a church of 85-plus nationalities. I don't think I could ever pastor a church that is only white. I'm glad that I pastor a church of 85-plus nationalities, but there is only one race. It's the human race. The sixth thing that I want to share with you is so foundational. It's so core to this teaching today. I must share with you today that racism is a problem of sin, not skin. And the Bible is so clear about that. We must scrape to the core. Racism is a sin problem. And I want to go on the record and say to you that we as a church will not tolerate racism in our church. We will not tolerate bigotry. We will not tolerate favoritism. We will not tolerate prejudice. We will not tolerate antagonism. We will not tolerate discrimination. And I want to make it very clear when you scrape to the core, racism is not a skin problem. It's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. And then there's number seven, racism. It's not a temporary crisis that will eventually fade away. Some of you perhaps today are thinking, well, it's all in the news and it's just a fad and it's going to pass and we're going to move on. We need to understand that racism has existed from all 
all when mankind's been on earth and it will continue even after this. It is an issue that we must talk about. It's not many years ago, back in the 1960s, when things began to change in the United States, when even in those days when a black person could not choose where they would sit on a bus or or drink from the same water fountain as a white person. And back in the days when a church was segregated by color of skin, we could even go to the continent of Africa and we can think of apartheid. It's not that many years ago that that, that things began to change the, the wounds of Racism are still fresh. And I actually believe what happened with, with, with George Floyd is just, just brought to light a subject that we, we need to address and, and we need to talk about. And I don't want this subject to stop today. I want us as a church to continue the dialogue, continue the conversations. This is not temporary. But then there's number eight. Racism is a learned behavior. And I say that because if it's a learned behavior, it means it can be unlearned. And I just want to posture myself as a learner. I want to invite us as a church to grow in a journey of understanding racism, to understand what it's like to live in the shoes and the skin of another color. I I want us to to grow in this. And I want you as parents to make sure that you educate and and teach your children that racism is wrong. Begin at an early age to help them see how wrong it is. So friends, with all of that in mind, I want to take you to number two. And for a few moments, I just want to share with you about the problem. And I just want to share with you three things about the problem. And first of all, racism exists in countries in communities, and even in churches. I would suspect that some of my white brothers and sisters are thinking, I, I don't think there's racism in Canada. Isn't that a problem down in the southern states and the Civil War thing? And the truth is racism, it does exist in Canada. And it does exist in our cities and our communities, even the city of Ottawa. And it does exist in churches, even even our church. You see, sometimes I don't think we realize the subtleness of our our racism. And and sometimes the words that we share and the attitudes that we personify are are insensitive. And and, and they're, they're racist. And we need to check our hearts on that. So let me take you to number two and let me build from number one. And I want to say something that might be hard for some of my white brothers and sisters to hear and for all of us to hear, regardless of our color, we are probably more racist than we think. There are several things that I have said personally over the years that I now realize have been insensitive. And one of the things I've said is I've looked at my black brothers and sisters or my brown brothers and sisters and said, when I look at you, I don't see color. My heart is saying that color is not what I look at. I I see this as all made in the image of God. But I now realize that when I say that I am devaluing your color of skin and your nationality. And so white brothers and sisters, let's be careful when we use that line. When I see you, I don't see color. There's another line I've used, and I've heard myself say this even in our church. I thought, wow, our church is becoming so multicultural. My white brothers and sisters, we're, we're becoming the minority. And I say it with excitement, but the truth is I'm saying it based on numerics, but my words 
aren't received as a numeric comment. My words are received that how can you, Mark, understand what it's like to be a minority? My parents were white. My grandparents were white. My great-grandparents were white. I've been born and raised in this country as a white person. I can't fully understand what it's like to be of another color of skin, a minority. I can't fully understand it. So those are the few thoughts. But then there's number three. The enemy loves to fuel and fan and feed the problem of racism. Oh, the enemy does. The enemy wants this whole George Floyd episode to to result in, in violence. And we've seen some violence in some of the protests. And the enemy wants blacks to be angry at whites and whites to be angry at blacks and wants there to surface hatred, friends. The the enemy is trying to fuel and fan and feed racism. So if you're going to be angry today, be angry at the devil. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. He's the one who is behind this sinful issue of racism. Well, number three, I want to take you to the possibility. And I want to give you some hope. And I want to give you seven key things that I felt the Lord wanted me to share with you as our church family to help us as we're learning and growing and understanding more about racism. The first thing I want to share with you about the possibility is we must, we must catch God's heart for unity within diversity. You see, unity doesn't mean uniformity. No, it doesn't. We can have diversity in unity. And we need to understand that the heart of God is that there would be diversity in unity. I love what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that that God is the one who reconciled himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I love what Paul said to the church in Galatia. He said, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female, for you are all one in Christ. I love what Paul said to the church in Ephesus, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And I really love what it says in the book of Revelation. When John on the island of Patmos had a glimpse of heaven and he saw a multitude that no one can count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne and and worshiping the lamb. I want to challenge you and I today to grab a hold of God's heart because God's heart is for racial reconciliation. God's heart is for there to be diversity in unity, not uniformity in unity. Number two, I would challenge you and I to embrace diversity. We must lean into some uncomfortable conversations and even risk being misunderstood. Oh, I know even as I talk about this today, I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb and I'm risking being misunderstood, but I think you're, I think you're hearing my heart. And I would challenge every one of you today to reach out to someone of another ethnicity. May the white reach out to the black and the black to the white and the brown to the white and the brown to the black. And could we, could we as white people reach out to our black brothers and sisters and engage in conversation and say, tell me, please, what's it like in the day of you? What 
racism do you experience? Tell me what you feel. I want to grow. I want to learn. I, I want to understand. You see, friends, we need to posture ourselves with sensitivity. And we must engage in sometimes these uncomfortable conversations. But I think it's going to help. And I think we need to posture ourselves as such. But then there's number three. We must repent. We must repent of any racist attitudes and actions. May God search my heart. May God search all of our hearts. And I know I'm not the, the one that, that, that murdered George Floyd. I know I'm not the one, and I know I'm not responsible for his actions, but someone of my color of skin did that to, to my black brothers and sisters' color of skin, and I'm so sorry. I would invite us today to allow Holy Spirit to search our hearts and repent of any attitude, any action, anything in us, friends. Repentance is so key to racial reconciliation. We must posture ourselves in repentance. And then there's number four. We must learn to listen more and we must learn to love more. You see, it's maybe easy for people in white skin to be quick to say, yeah, but, but how come? What about, what about, what about the abortion issue? Should we not be just as concerned about the abortion issue as the racial issue? And we could be too quick to speak. And I think, I think this is a time to be slow to speak and quick to listen. The Bible says to learn to do what's right, to seek justice and defend the oppressed. My prayer is that the voice of love would outshout the voice of hate. My prayer is that we would posture ourselves and clothe ourselves with humility and gentleness and posture ourselves to learn and posture ourselves to listen more and love more. And then there's number five. We must. Oh, we must take godly action steps to tear down walls of racism and then to build bridges of reconciliation. You see, friend, the walls are, are there and the wounds of racism are, are, are deep. And we need to take down that wall brick by brick. We need to engage in conversation as, as, as a white brother to a black brother and, and talk and learn to understand the wound that they're carrying so that we can, we can remove another brick and we can see God bring some healing to, to the hurts and, and, and the feeling and the, and the issue of racism. We need to, we need to tear down some walls. We need to tear down the walls and we need to build some bridges. And again, I say it, you can build a bridge by starting the conversation. It might be uncomfortable, but by starting the conversation, let's tear down some walls and let's build some bridges. And then there's number six. I really believe that the church must lead the way to model racial reconciliation and to be a voice to help erase racism. You see, friends, there's one thing to have racism out in the community and, and, and in the country, but it's another thing. It's another thing to have racism in the church. May the church model, model racial reconciliation. And may the church 
be the voice to help do all we can to erase racism. So we have so much to learn and we have so much to grow in this, but, but we have to start and we, we must have the dialogue and we, we must have the conversations and we, we must open our hearts with gentleness and humility so that we can see God do a great work. The seventh and the final thing I want to share with you is we must pray that Holy Spirit would break down the walls of racism. We must pray that the Holy Spirit would step in, step in and break down the walls of racism and, and do a great work. In just a couple of moments, we're going to worship in a song. And then a brother in our church is going to share a few words. And then we're going to celebrate communion together. But before that happens, I want to share with you a story, a true story. It's about a man named William Seymour. And William Seymour was born in the 1800s and in the, in the heavy, difficult days of racism. He was born in Louisiana into, into the home of a mom and dad that were former slaves. William Seymour was born in a home where there was extreme poverty. This black African man felt a call of God in his life in the midst of all the racial tension and in the midst of the poverty tension. And he went to get some training for the ministry. And I'm very saddened to share with you that there were many days where he was segregated when he sat to learn the Bible, because even in the church back then, they were segregating the blacks from the whites. And he was segregated when he was learning the Bible and learning to be a minister. And there were even occasions where he wasn't allowed to speak to a white audience, but only a black audience. But William Seymour was used by God to make a huge difference to break down the walls of racism. He went to Los Angeles. He went to a city that was marked by different nationalities in a day where racism was so high and so overt and so, so out there and he started some prayer meetings and before long, God showed up. And before long, he, 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 he took his meetings to an old warehouse on Azusa Street, 312 Azusa Street. And for three solid years, there was a mighty move of God that became the birth of the Pentecostal movement. And for three years, there were services in the morning, services in the afternoon. And services in the evening and many days, the, the morning service would, would run into the afternoon service, which would run into the evening service. And, and many days, thousands of people would gather in that old warehouse from all over North America. But here's what I want you to know. It wasn't just black people in those services. There were white people in those services. There was Latinos in that service. There was Hispanic in that service. There were Asians in that service. And regardless of their color of skin, they were coming together and locking arms and calling out to God. And people were saved and healed and set free and baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle was the wall of racism was torn down. Frank Bartleman was one of the historians that penned some words of the Azusa Street Revival. And he said that the bloodline of Jesus, the blood of Jesus washed away, washed away the color line of mankind. 
You see, church, we need a move of God. We need the spirit to break out. We need the spirit to, to take down the walls of racism. And I want you to pray with me that there will be a move of Holy Spirit to break down the walls of racism. That there would be a move of Holy Spirit to bring forth racial reconciliation. I want to invite you in your home, if you're seated right now, to stand. And as Pastor Brad and the worship team begin to lead us, I want to invite you to lift your voice. And I want you to call out to God. And I want you to sing a prayer, Spirit, break out. Break the walls down. Spirit, break out.
Hello, my name is Bankole. I've been attending Woodville since 1997 with my family. We love this church and very privileged to be part of it. It's a privilege and honor for me to share these words. And I take this with a great sense of uh, responsibility. We've all witnessed the events in the past few days and the uh, public outrage and civil unrest that has followed the death of uh, George Floyd in the hands of uh, the police in United States. This event has apparently generated quite a lot of activity around the world. People are expressing their displeasure, frustration, anger, it's all over the place. As bad as this situation is spewing out on our streets and around the world, it has drawn attention to the issue of racism. And the world is talking about it right now. As long as this issue is not addressed, it will generate the kind of unrest uh, we're seeing. We've kept quiet about racism for too long. Now that we've seen the reaction from around the world, we all have to look inwards in ourselves to see how do we handle the fallout from this unfortunate incident. We literally saw George Floyd dying in front of our eyes. As I speak right now, the emotions of that still very real. And I know it's real for a lot of us. One thing is clear from this uh, unfortunate incident, there is uniform condemnation, be it among black, white, and the international community, as we've seen by the total condemnation that we're experiencing globally. We also have to individually examine ourselves. How do we handle the situation? I know this situation is going to be experienced differently for each of us, but we have the responsibility in the way we react and respond to this situation. I would like to share these thoughts with our white friends, colleagues, and congregants. I would like to share some thoughts too with our black folks, our friends around the world. And then I would also like to share some thoughts to all of us, irrespective of who we are. I'll first like to address our white friends and folks everywhere. 
How do you respond to this situation? I have some thoughts around this. Uh, when Pastor Mark called me during the week to express his concern and care to me personally as a black man, I felt really touched and moved and got a bit emotional. Knowing that someone out there cared enough to find out how I'm handling this situation. I'm going to encourage our white friends to take this cue from our pastor, reach out, encourage your black friends, relatives, colleagues, acquaintances, anyone at all that you've, you have a relationship with. This is a time to share comforting words. This is a time to share care and concerns with your black friends. Do not try to minimize or downplay this incident. As you try to comfort them, focus on the emotions they are going through and don't be sidetracked by peripheral issues that have come out of the responses to the outrage they feel. And continue to pray for all of us. A lot of black folks do not a lot of white folks do not understand what a black person goes through, what they feel. I shared some of my thoughts around this with Pastor Mark, and I'm grateful that he asked me to share with him. He wanted to learn how we feel concerning this situation. I explained to him that one thing that a lot of black people carry is wounds of racism. At one point or the other, you will have been expo exposed to blatant, subtle, or systematic racism. I just share that so that our black folk, our white folks, we get a little bit of sense of what the white and uh, the black uh, community goes through. So continue to encourage your black friends. Continue to pray for them. Share encouraging and uplifting words. For my black friends, folks, I know what you're feeling. I know the anger, the frustration. I know the sense of hopelessness that why is this happening again? You're fed up. I know because I share and I feel those things too. I want to just encourage you all to take comfort in the Lord. 
Take comfort in your identity in Christ. Be strong knowing that these events doesn't diminish who you are. Stand tall, hold your head up because Christ is your strength. Continue to believe in yourself. Do not be a victim. Let's draw on the strength of the Lord. Draw from the strength of the Holy Spirit within you to help you go through this period. That's what I'm doing. Do not let the enemy use this situation to plant any seed of discord or hatred in your heart. Guide your hearts, guide your emotions against the enemy. We have to overcome any negative emotions. We have to overcome any light the enemy is throwing at us with the presence, with the acknowledgement of the presence of God in our life. And Christ is there, ready to hold our hands and see us through this trying period. And I want to share just a few words in concluding with everyone, irrespective of who you are. Now that this uh, unfortunate incident is before us, how do we proceed as a body of Christ? I will encourage us as believers. The Bible encourages us not to grieve like the world. It's a grieving time right now. Let's grieve together. Let's just acknowledge that God is our guide, is our path. Let's follow the lead of Christ as we deal with this situation. We ask ourselves at this time, what will Jesus do? Think about it. Let that be our guide. Be you black, be you white, let's all line up together in unity. Let's follow the leading of Christ. He is going to walk us through. He is going to see us through. He is going to guide us and we comfort us. Together, we are united in Christ. He is our victory. Thank you very much. Well, Whitbell family, it's an honor to celebrate today communion with you. And I'm honored to have my friend, my brother in Christ, Ben Coley, join me today. And Ben Coley, I love you so much as a brother in Christ. And thank you for sharing today. Well, Jesus Christ was in an upper room with his disciples. And he took some bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup that contained the fruit from the vine. He said, this is my blood. Do this also in remembrance of me. I want to invite you to get that cracker or that piece of bread that you have. And it's the emblem that represents the body of Jesus. And Van Coley, I want to break bread with you. And I invite you to take a, a piece of bread and I'll take a piece of bread. And this is the emblem that represents the body 
of Jesus. And Jesus says, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Could we together partake of the emblem that represents his body? He then took the cup and he said, this is my blood. This represents the blood of Jesus. And he said, do this also in remembrance of me. Let's partake together of the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to lead us in prayer today. Well, Father God, on this unique Sunday, as we've addressed the theme of racism, we want to pause and we want to specifically pray, oh God, for the family of George Floyd. God, that you would comfort their, their bereaved hearts, that your Holy Spirit would be so close and so near to them. We also want to pray, God, today for all of our black brothers and sisters and our black community, that God, that you would comfort them as they are grieving, as they are broken. Wrap your arms around each one. We also want to pray, God, today that any wall of racial division would come down. We pray, God, that by your spirit, you would do a work of racial reconciliation. Thank you, God, for our amazing church family. It's so diverse. And we celebrate the many nationalities in our church family. And I pray, God, today that the message that's been shared and the words from Van Coley would challenge and help us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, in our final moments, I want to ask you a real important question. And the question is this. If today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know beyond any shadow of doubt that you're going to heaven? I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. I want you to know that you know that you're going to heaven. Going to church is good. It doesn't get you to heaven. Reading your Bible is good. It doesn't get you to heaven. Being a good person is great, but that doesn't get you to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't buy your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. It's a gift. Have you asked Jesus to be the center of your life? I want to ask that question to you. Have you asked Jesus to be the center of your life? And if you've never done that, I'd have no greater joy than to lead you in a prayer today to make your peace with God through Jesus Christ. So if you've never asked Christ to be the center of your life, but today you'd like to, can I invite you to join me in this prayer today? Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. I make my peace with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I believe there's many of you right now, right today, that you ask Jesus to be the center of your life. Heaven is rejoicing and we are rejoicing. And you will notice on some of the platforms that this service has been presented that you can indicate that you ask Christ to come into your life. And I want you to indicate that. And if you live in Ottawa and you don't attend a Bible-believing, life-giving church, join us in the journey. Keep following us online. And when we get back on site, 
I hope you will come and be a part of our journey here on site. But if you don't live in the Ottawa area, somewhere across Canada or around the world, and you don't have a Bible-believing, life-giving church that you attend, reach out to us and we will help you find one in your area. Well, Woodville family, we love you so much. Evelyn and I miss you so dearly. We can't wait for the day when we can come back and worship on site. May the Lord bless you greatly. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us online for church this morning. If you have children or youth from toddlers to senior high, please visit our website or our YouTube channels, Wow Kids Ministries or Woodvale Students on YouTube, and you will find different ways that we are trying to reach out to our students and children during these online days. And this morning we had a message, Unfamiliar Part 1. And our prayer for you this morning is that it stirred your heart, that it stirred your heart to love one another, to break down walls. And that's our prayer for this land and for our own hearts, that we will learn to love like Jesus loves. So have a great week and God bless.